Let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6, we'll continue our study in the Lord's Prayer. This will be the third week. We're on the fifth petition. It may be getting a little confusing, but if you've been here, it's not that confusing. Uh, This will be the last um, study in this fifth petition, and Lord willing, we'll move on to the sixth petition, and then... Um, look at the conclusion of the prayer and be done uh, over the next two or three weeks or so. Prayer is one of the wonderful gifts that God has given us as Christians to have access to the King of Kings and that's been provided by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ part of his intercessory work in providing that access that we have a high priest who we can come to and even in the book of Hebrews it says that we can come in boldness But as we come in boldness and really in confidence that he'll hear our prayer, is is maybe a better translation of that, we recognize still that God is God. He's majestic, and we're approaching a holy God uh, whose name is to be hallowed. And at the same time, he's intimately um, involved and and concerned for our needs. So let's look at the, uh, let's read the prayer, (coughs) beginning in verse 9. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So, we're going to be taking up those last two verses, 14 and 15, tying that in with the last part of the fifth petition, which is forgive us our debts. We spent two weeks on that, and then we're looking tonight at as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we're going to look at the need that we have to forgive others uh, tonight. But by way of review, the last two weeks, what we've considered is that, first of all, our sin is a massive debt. It's a debt that, that we could never pay, no matter what in this life. If we could just work but every day and just pay one thousandth of that sin debt, we would try, 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 but we would fail, fail, fail. There's no way that we could ever pay the sin debt that we owe. All of our secret sin, our public sin, sins of commission, sins of omission, all of those things have mounted up a mountain of debt that we have before God. We break God's law every day in various ways. And so sin is our great problem. And so the beauty of this petition is that forgiveness can be had. And forgiveness is the great solution. It's the great need that we have. We're guilty. We deserve judgment. And yet we can be forgiven. We considered our total depravity. That is that sin has infected the whole man. It affects our mind, our thinking, our, our, our will. All that we do has been affected by sin because we're born in sin in Adam. Last week we focused particularly on confession of sin and the need for repentance um, to be forgiven. And we illustrated the idea or talked about the idea, especially for some of you young people, you can know about what sin is. And you can know about, in principle, what forgiveness is. 
But if you never actually humble yourself and confess your sins to God and beg his mercy and beg him to forgive you, you will never know the joy and peace of God. You must do this for yourself. God does not repent for us, so we must come to him. Remember Augustine said, Confession shuts the mouth of hell and opens the gate of paradise. So it's all important that we confess our sins. And the idea of forgiveness taking away our sins is a beautiful picture in Scripture. It's talking, it, it speaks of taking away our sin, covering our sin, wiping out our sin, and forgetting our sin. And the beauty is, is that God is eager to forgive. He is a merciful God. He delights in mercy. And forgiveness comes only by the work of Christ. He himself is a propitiation for our sins. And remember, we looked at Psalm 51. We saw a picture there. What does David say? My sin is ever before me. He, he's acknowledging his sin. And then he confesses his sin in the next verse. Against you and you only have I sinned. He's owning his sin. He's not making excuses for it. He's owning his sin. And it's a clear confession with no excuses. We must be very careful in our confession that we're not justifying our sin because if I didn't have such a horrible wife, I never would have had an outburst of anger. You know, that's not a clear confession. A clear confession is, I blew it. Please forgive me. <laughs> Wash me afresh with the blood of Christ. We talked about the difference between a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow last time. And then the idea of pleading for renewal. This is something that we do, we should do every day or very often. Later in Psalm 51, what does David say? Create in me a clean heart. Okay, So that should be just normal part of the Christian life. So as we continue <coughs> tonight, just two simple points. One is, is that we must forgive others of their sins. And the second, we must not forget about the enormity of our sin against God. And this will help us to do the first thing. So first of all, we must forgive others. A Christian who has tasted something of the love of God, who has experienced the peace, or experienced what Pilgrim had when that burden fell off of his back, where the guilt of his sin was taken away, and to now see something beautiful in the cross of Christ. A Christian that has experienced all that then is able to foolheartedly forgive others. And what are some reasons in the scriptures that we have for forgiving others? There's lots of them, and it's, I don't, it's not an exhaustive list that I have. Huh? Because what? You're saying we should forgive others because I'm saying because we forgive. Okay, great. Yes, because we've been forgiven. That's the big. That's the big reason. Yeah, from our text. What else? Just in general, just general biblical principles. Live at peace with all men. Live at peace with all men. Good. What else? We need forgiveness ourselves. We need forgiveness ourselves. It ties into Jubilee, yes. We're commanded to do so. We're commanded to do so. Right. We're to love our neighbor, right? We're to love our neighbor, part of loving and loving our enemies, and so we do this. First um, John 2.6 says, The one who says he abides in him, that is in Jesus, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And how did Jesus walk? And forgiveness, forgiving and cleansing and restoring. And the reality is, is that many times people don't deserve necessarily forgiveness, but we forgive for Christ's sake. 
because we, we want to have that off. The proverb says it is a man's glory to overlook a transgression. That's something we always mention in marital counseling, and we have to tell ourselves all the time that you know it's a man's glory to overlook minor offenses, and to be so exact, and to you know you left your sock halfway out of the hamper, and boy, I'm coming down on you or whatever. You know that's just wrong. A bitter heart. We have to be very careful because a bitter and a resentful heart can be the playground of Satan. Satan will take that and twist that and pervert that, and your thinking will begin to, you'll, you'll think something, I mean, it, it'll grow into this huge um, area of bitterness in your life that you don't want. <clears throat> now, the text says, really, it's a prerequisite for forgiveness. If you look here, forgive us our debts as... We also have forgiven our debtors. And then, of course, verses 14 and 15 uh, spell it out even all the more clear. Now, the word forgive means to release from a moral or legal obligation. It means to cancel or remit or pardon. We gave the illustration if Caleb owes me $1,000 and I I just write down that forgiven. It's, It's taken out of the way. I remit it. I cancel it. He does not owe me that debt anymore. And we know we're not saved by doing this. We have to be very careful not to read what's not really in the text. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So is, is that saying that because we, forget, because we forgive those who offend, offend us, that God's obligated to forgive us? It's not saying that, is it? I mean, and then even like verse 14 and 15. But it is a prerequisite. It's something that must be there, and we're going to unpack that and in a moment here. We know that we're not saved by doing this. We're not saved by any works at all. We're saved by the grace of God. Now, in this context, what is one of the surest marks of a real Christian? No grudges. Yes. No grudges, right? It's a forgiving spirit. If you're truly repentant yourself before God, you understand the, the, the horribleness of your sin, you're going to have a forgiving spirit. You're not going to be going around exacting this and that on people. And the words actually here in this petition, forgive us as we have forgiven others, are it's a striking uh, thing if you think about it for a minute because you are asking God to forgive you for your personal sins just as you forgive others of their sins. Now, do you do that very well? Do you do that completely? So we must be very careful in this petition because if we're really saying that, forgive us as we have forgiven others, we better be sure that we've got short accounts and that we are forgiving others. It's, Luther says, it's a dreadful thought that a man should ask God not to forgive him, and yet that is precisely what the unforgiving man does when he prays this prayer. So if he's an unforgiving man and you repeat this prayer and you say this prayer, you're essentially saying, don't forgive me because I haven't forgiven others. Don't forgive me, God, because I haven't forgiven others. It's a very striking thing. And, um, verses 14 and 15, of course, just make it all the more clear there. And it's, for if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, remember when we talked about the word debt and debtor and 
verse 12, we talked about what does that mean. And it's, um, it's, it's not necessarily the word for sin, but obviously in this context, it means sin. Well, we know that it means sin. Verses 14 and 15, a different word is used uh, that's more frequent throughout the New Testament, speaking of our transgressions before God. It's the one that occurs in Ephesians 2, 1 of one of many places that we, as when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Okay, we're dead. The reality is, is that many people struggle with bitterness, and so this petition can be a difficult one to get over uh, to swallow and to obey and to be faithful to. Um, all too often, I think we, um, especially in our living in America and having the wealth and the prestige that we have, all too often when our w- rights are violated, we think that doesn't he or she know who I am? <laughs> Did you see that red sports car cut me off? Or the guy who cut you off tonight when we were driving down? You know, it's a how dare them? You know, that's kind of that's our mindset. We need to be very careful about that. But the reality is, is in more realistic day-to-day struggles, there can be bitterness between a husband and a wife, a teenager and parents, kids with other kids. Um, there's examples of bitterness. Um, and another employee, fellow employee, gets promoted, and you know he's ditching hours. You know he's wasting time, and you're putting in the extra hour, and it's not being recognized to be very careful not to become bitter. I'd like to give you an analogy that um, I read recently. <coughs> I want to tell you a story about an old man. And you kids, you listen, okay? An old man who had a large backpack. And you know what was in that backpack? A bunch of diapers, okay? <laughs> hang, hang tough. This man had collected them for over 50 years. He had, he had some that he collected while he was still a young man and others that he collected more recently, just in the last months and years. Now, these are dirty diapers. Sometimes he would even lay them all out in his backyard on a wall and just evaluate them and look at them. He had this mass of collection. And, and it's some of them were cloth that went back way back when. I know it sounds really weird, doesn't it? But he would do this. Kids, can you imagine what that would smell like? Don't let that man do that at my house, okay? (laughs) He could even remember the person where that diaper came off of. This diaper was Billy. This one was Joanne. And he could remember and put names with that. Now, I know this is a crude story, but listen to the point. Those diapers represent offenses and sins that were committed against this man. This man did not have a forgiving spirit. He had so much bitterness and anger and resentment towards all of those people that he that had offended him that he kept those grudges and he carried them around. And keeping a grudge and being bitter and being angry about things way back even 50 years is about as gross and dirty as carrying around dirty diapers, isn't it? Gabby? Well, think this man was happy, guys? There's no way. Carrying around all that, not only the smell, but just think about it. How could he have been happy? To ask God to forgive his own sins, in this illustration, I guess, and then to forgive others, have a forgiving spirit. Don't keep the diapers. They should have been thrown away at the dump a long years and years ago. The Bible speaks to this. The Bible says 
See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God and no root of bitterness spring up which causes trouble and by which many have been defiled. See, the next time you're tempted to be bitter towards someone at work, towards a spouse, towards whoever, think about, do I really want to carry around a dirty diaper? Do I really want to do that? No. And just give it to the Lord and um, be done with it. Ephesians, Paul commands, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander what be put away from you. Get it away from you. Don't keep that. Don't carry that. So we must forgive others. And one of the keys to doing this is to not forgetting the, the hugeness of our sin before God. And we've emphasized this already a few times during this study. Once our eyes have been opened to the grossness and the vileness of our own sin before a holy God, then the offenses of others, by comparison, is but little petty offenses. Yeah, so they offended me. But that's so petty because I've offended a holy God. And you begin to have the right perspective that the sins of others against you are nothing compared to your sin against a holy God that you can defy to his face and sin willfully and openly before him. But the reality is, is that many Christians struggle with having that balance flip-flop. Or instead of the scales being like this, your sin against God being so big and the sins of others so small, it's flip-flop. And we exaggerate the sins of others. And that's certainly wrong. Certainly those of you who are married know that that can be the case in a marital relationship. Something so petty can become so huge and, and we can be so offended. What are some ways that Christians can minimize their sin? That's really what you're doing. You're beginning to minimize your sin and magnify the sins of others. What are some ways that we can think that we're just we're, 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 we sin very little? Our sins are so tiny and small, but the sins of others against me are so huge. Jubal. <coughs> Excellent point, Jubal. I didn't think anybody would bring that up, and that's the first thing that's brought up. When you neglect the Word of God, when you neglect prayer, when you're neglecting prayer, when you come to prayer, you you must ask God to examine you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And sometimes when I go on my knees to pray, I think I have a couple things to confess, but as I'm there, the Lord brings other things to light, and I confess those. So if you're neglecting prayer... And then the biggie is God's Word, and in particular, God's law. That's why we have the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall in our living room. We want to be reminded of that law and how far short I fall of keeping that law and how much I need Christ. Very good. Other reasons? I think we've already brought it up, but we're, we're prone to blame shift. Okay. We minimize our sin by saying, well, it's really, I wouldn't have sinned unless or she <laughs> but you think you know your motives the heart's motives you know you're always thinking evil yeah we're judging motives yeah that's good yeah, we, I think the reality is is that we many of us want to think that we're just not that bad 
were, were pretty good. Almost like the one that's trusting in his works, you know. I'm pretty good. I mean, why can't they get along with me? I'm a pretty good guy. Why can't they see it? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Self-esteem, pride. Um, how about comparing yourself to others? You're always going to find somebody in the realm of a workplace, in the realm of a church, in the realm of whatever, people that you know, family members, who is more of an open center than you. And so therefore, you compare yourself to them. And <laughs> not so bad after all, right? Any others? Okay. So that's the danger. And so in, in, when this, there's a confusion, really, what we're saying about the amount of debt that we really owe. That is the amount of sin that we really have. And that's the point of the parable of the unjust stewards. So turn to Matthew 18. We're going to take a little bit of time here. Try to unpack this in a few minutes if we can. <coughs> it's Matthew 18, verse 21. And of course, the context, Peter comes to the Lord and says, now, some of you kids might want to listen to this. Peter's asking Jesus, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter's thinking he's being really generous. <laughs> seven whole times? You know, and so what does Jesus say? I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. And so... Who can read verses 23 through 35? An adult. I'll give you another one. Anybody? Volunteer? Jason? Nice and well. Which one? 23 to, to the end of the chapter. Okay. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had as payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to, begin to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master, all that had taken place. <coughs> then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt, that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother all right, thank you, Jason. So let's look at this. This man um, has, and what, what's his debt? How much does he owe? 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. 
Now, how long would it take back to pay back one talent, roughly, like a laborer's wages? One year. How about? One year wages. I think it's 15 to 20 years um, of wages just to pay back one talent. Of course, a talent's 75 pounds. So, so, so get get picture of this now. How did he ever incur such a debt to begin with? Because if you th- do the math, 10,000 times 20 years, that's 20,000 years, okay, um, worth of debt for a laborer. So it's a massive debt. But, and it's a look at the, the wickedness. Even, I mean, this is obviously a wicked man. How did he incur this kind of debt? We don't know, embezzlement or whatever. But listen to what he says. I'll pay back what I owe. There's no way he could have paid back what he owed. There's no way. And so... Of course, the Lord of that slave feels compassion, releases him, and forgave him that debt. Remember, we gave the definition of forgiveness. It's to remit, to cancel. Okay, so the Lord forgives him that debt. And then, what does this guy go and do? He's forgiven of 20,000 years, or whatever it is, okay, worth of wages. What does he go do? right, Gabby. That's right. And how much is a hundred denarii? A hundred days wages. Just three months. Okay? So 20,000 years. Okay, versus three months worth of uh, laborers' wages. And so, do you think that this first slave really took into consideration the huge debt that he had been forgiven? That, that, that he would go and quickly just forgive others? Boy, I gotta mirror that I've been forgiven something that's, uh, I didn't do the math, but 50,000 times greater than what this man owes me. And isn't that true? That's how it is with us. We've been forgiven 50,000 times greater sin. That's even a, a number that's too small. It's, but we can't forgive our brother of the little petty offense to us. You see where this, this parable is going here. And, of course, the uh, master of that slave comes back and it's furious at the one who had been forgiven such a great debt. And um, the Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Of course, we know that that would never be repaid. And that's Yes? verse is verse 33 and this ties in with our text here and I never want to forget it in conjunction with the Lord's Prayer should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you should you not also forgive your fellow man on the way that I have forgiven you it would be 
a similar parallel that God has forgiven us so great a sin, uh, all, so great a debt, and that that we should that's the least we should do is to forgive others. Questions at this point, Jason. <coughs> Sorry, go ahead, Brenda. Many, many saints and also forgive, you know, and but verse thirty-five says that unless you give your brother, forgive your brother uh, unless from your heart, your heart, you know, you can, you can pretend you don't that you forgive somebody else. Very, that's a that's a good observation, Britta, that it's not just an outward nodding and that's it but then it goes back to what we said you've got the backpack full of you know, things and so yeah it's from your heart it's really giving it over and not caring Gabby, real quick, Gabby. I was getting to that. Good job. Okay, we're getting to that in just a moment. Jason, you had a comment. what you're saying and that's a good point it's kind of almost a whole nother study but I'll just touch on it briefly that it's kind of like where's the and, and this really gets into um, really difficult marital situations or estranged relationships well of course I haven't forgiven her because she's never really acknowledged what she's done is wrong it gets back to kind of what I said at the beginning a Christian should have at least a spirit of forgiveness where you're not carrying that grudge now what you really want to see is that person to come and confess, and then true reconciliation might be able to take place. But until that happens, fellowship might be broken, but you have that spirit of forgiveness where you're not carrying any grudges. So it's more of a potentiality of forgiveness if they meet these conditions. In other words, that it's always there. You're always willing to forgive, but you're not going to, I mean, be really forgiven in truth and in a sense. It, there's so many different, I mean, it's, is right. it because somebody nicked your car, or is it because somebody killed your wife? I right. mean, you know, it's kind of those right. kinds of things, so I think there's like a huge spectrum there that's like, so it's... Right. I think the reality is that you're always ready to forgive, the alternative to that is living for the rest of your life with bitterness to right. this person, and the Lord would want us to live right. that way. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. But again, God only knows your heart. You know? 
So application, I'm um, just going to quickly go through these things and you can jot these down or try to remember them or whatever, but we must examine ourselves before we dare pray this prayer and in particular this petition. Because if you're carrying grudges and you're not really forgiving others and you're saying, forgive me, O God, just as I've forgiven others, you don't want that if <laughs> you're not forgiving others, okay? So be careful. And of course, this is a model prayer, so we're not saying that you repeat this. Some Reformed churches repeat it from time to time in their services or whatever. But the idea is that this is a model prayer, and therefore that petition is going to be prayed out in some way, probably more expanded than those words. But we have to be careful to really mean it. And we must, as, as Gabby said, in fact, turn to Matthew 7. This is uh, the next thing I have, verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The idea is that you know you're, you're, you think that you're, you're blind, but you're an eye doctor. Give me your eye. Let me pick at your eye. You can't. You can't even see with a log in your eye or a two-by-four or whatever. And so we need to be very careful to have that removed. We have to examine ourselves first and then pray before we would dare confront or, you know, others about their sins. We have to keep short accounts with God, short accounts with man. And we need to renew our repentance often. Why do we need to do that? What do I mean by renew my re- renew our repentance before the Lord? <coughs> You're reading the book. <laughs> I know about everybody else. <laughs> Even, yeah, we all sin every day, and we need you want to renew that repentance so that you can have that fellowship with God. Um, that's why it's so vital. Uh, we have judicial forgiveness if we're in Christ, but we need daily that relational forgiveness so that we can have that communion with God. Be illustrated like this: If Calvin over there were to sin against me in a terrible way um, tomorrow morning, would I just kick him out of the house and say, "You are not welcome here"? No, that would be absurd, right? But. Would he need to seek my forgiveness if he sinned against me? Yeah. Would you, Cal? Absolutely. And why does he need to do that? So that fellowship can be restored with his Father. And the same is true of us. We sin often. We need to confess often so that that fellowship is restored. And then we need to... This petition shows us our duty to forgive others and we must imitate God if we're going to forgive others. The admonition of Paul, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then, the Jesus, yes? Just a little something to add on that, mm-hmm. that verse. We have a friend, well, the sideways that are going through yeah.